but you're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, a conversation between audience member and artist designed to demystify the classical music and opera experience. If you enjoy the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, and really, who wouldn't, please consider supporting it for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support. There are moments when I look out of my office window and think that everything is perfectly normal. Then I have to gently remind myself that the time we are living through right now is far from normal. It is all quite odd. Our resilience is being put to the test. We will, at the end of this, come out stronger and perhaps a little more aware of how we're not as invincible as we once thought we were. We will, I hope, emerge from our self-imposed chrysalis entirely different beings. This music, the result of a collaboration between Paul Leonard Morgan and Philip Glass, is one of a series of tracks written and produced by the pair for a new Amazon Prime series, Tales of the Loop, released on April the 3rd. I've seen a trailer, I sort of know what it's about. You'll discover more about the landmark series in the interview with Paul that follows. What's important right now is the way this music nestles in the weird dark space the coronavirus outbreak has created. Paul talks about his experience in lockdown in LA, how he composes, records and produces when all of the musicians that he works with are in isolation too. Be surprised by the short turnaround a film and TV composer operates under and be amazed like I was at the description of what he can see outside of his LA studio window. So right now I'm looking out and what I can see are trees galore and bushes and a little wing coming down from the tree, which is one of my kids' plays, and then a swimming pool and then the main house in the distance. Uh, so I had this studio built about uh, two years ago, I want to say. We spent about a year building it. And I'd said to them specifically, I want a ton of glass. And they're like, this is bad for sound. I was like, well, make it good because I'm sick of being in darkened studios and we're going to be here, then I want to be able to see out. And it, this, this place kind of reminds us an awful lot of Scotland, which is where I'm from. And you suddenly look out and it's just tons and tons of greenery and stuff like that. So it, it makes me feel very creative. And so I'm so pleased I did it now with all of this glass. So all at weird angles and dimensions and stuff like that, but it's a fantastic view and you get kind of sunlight streaming into the room. You have immediately challenged my assumptions about um, Los Angeles because the image that I have of Los Angeles is big highways, squat buildings. Exactly, although, although the highways currently have no cars on them, apparently. Oh, so you are <laughs> locked down as well? Oh, yeah, oh, we've, been locked up. we've been locked down for about two and a half weeks. Oh. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every, everyone's going a little bit spare. So it's, it's, yeah, everyone kind of speaks to each other, obviously, kind of the, online and through Skype. But yeah, lo- lockdown happened in California about two weeks ago. Oh, 
I had no idea. So what is the experience two weeks in? What was the transition like? Because the thing that has really surprised me in the past, I mean, I've sort of been in a sort of a lockdown mode for a week because of the one organisation that I work for. But but what surprised me was the, the amount of transition necessary and, and how it sort of plays with with my mind. What what has the experience been like over the past two weeks? Well, again, as a, as a composer, you're naturally sort of locked away in your studio anyway. So from a work and from a me point of view, mentally, it hasn't made that much difference. I think obviously from a family point of view, but you get you've been getting shopping delivered rather than going out to the shops for two weeks. So yeah, it's kind of everyone delivers it to the house. Um, but other than that, you know, the area that we're in is really grassy. There's lots of kind of mountains and hills. Particularly at the moment, it's been raining for the last few weeks. Typical. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of get get up about half past five, go for a run for half an hour. There's no one else around, and then I'm in the studio at about six, and then composing away. Oh my goodness! Uh, but what man. I would but what I would say is that. It's been crazy on Friday. So there's a BBC series that I've um, we're just finishing off at the moment called The Nest. Uh, so it went out on air on, I think, Sunday night was the first episode on BBC One, nine o'clock. It's got Sophie Rundell and Martin Compton in it. And um, five parts. I'm literally on part five at the moment. And we were supposed to be recording strings up here on at my studio on Friday. Um, so yeah, had had the studio all set up. And you're still allowed to go to work. So although it's locked down, you can still go if you know, you're not basically seeing anyone. So you had all the strings set apart by three metres each. Oh. Uh, and, and then thir- Thursday night at 11 o'clock, a complete lockdown was put into place in California, or at least in Los Angeles. So it meant that no one could come up for the session. So then 11 o'clock at night, me and my assistant are suddenly phoning up everyone, going like, okay, we need to get some remote sessions. Who's got some studio availability? Like, as far as, you know, who's got studio available and is up for it. And we ended up by 6 o'clock on the Friday evening, which is, you know, then, what's that? My math is rubbish. It's about 15 hours later. It's okay. Don't worry. (laughs) We'd we'd recorded uh, strings in Berlin, in Glasgow, in London, and Los Angeles. (laughs) How on earth? How on earth do you do a remote session? I've not heard of from. I mean, you talk about it like it's quite straightforward and this is quite normal, uh, but I've not heard of them before. Can you tell me how they work? Okay, so remote sessions. Well, there's just different ways of doing it. There's a program called Source Connect, which means that you can drop into someone's studio remotely. They're recording, and you can see what they're recording in terms of the picture, and you can give feedback either through that or you've got Skype on while you're listening to them record. So you're listening to it in really good quality through your mixing desk in your own studio, but they're just playing in their own studios. Um, the other way of doing it, so we did half of that, and the other way we did it on Friday, just because it's so last minute, was you literally send out a rough mix that you've been doing with stems. So you've got your the Atmos stem, the drum stem, just to give them a little bit of leeway for when they're recording as they go, these drums are pounding my headphones. They can take the level of the drums down. And they load all of that up into their own recording sessions whether it's digital performer pro tools cubase whatever and then you send them pdfs of the parts because obviously that's the music's already been orchestrated and ready for them and then they just record it themselves to a clip track and then they export the stuff and they send it to you and then your my assistant and stuff is then loading all that up chopping them all up meanwhile my mixer who's in another part of la is you know, getting ready to start mixing it overnight on the on the Friday night. The question I wasn't quite clear on, does that mean that they're all working individually, remotely? 
Yeah, so what we managed to do is get two people synced up, which <laughs> you're going, ooh, whoopee, too. Um, <laughs> but, but actually, if you think about that, there's three different studios all synced up, which is pretty bloody amazing. It is. But yeah, the other people, but then the other people, yeah, recordings, you know, they're um, the, the viola and the cello and so on individually, and then they will just kind of export their music, send it, send it over, say, to, to my assistant, and then my assistant sort of loads it up. And then I'll kind of listen through the takes. And then when I'm happy with that, I then send that off to the mixer, who's then already got the file ready, loads it into his lot, and then just starts mixing. Is this quite standard form then? I mean, I'm I'm sounding amazed, but maybe this is something that has been part of industry practice for two or three years. Do you know what? It's I wouldn't say it's standard form in the sense that, I mean, we, we, we do remote recordings the entire time, but as far as, so for example, if there's a studio whether it's in Prague or whether it's in Nashville, or whether it's in London, it's, it's very usual for producers to kind of call in because they can't make it to a session, for example, or a director. So that means that they can then give feedback on the session without having to fly to the recording sessions. And then as more and more stuff, you end up kind of going, well, look, there's no studio availability in London or in Los Angeles. Let's get, let's say, one in Nashville, the Ocean Way or one wherever. So then it's, often the case of I don't have time to go to sessions so what we will then do is I then kind of listen in and then I'm giving feedback on it but there's nothing like actually being in a room with musicians and I think this is the git is you know when you do stuff remotely whilst it's wonderful it's incredible that you can actually get it done it's a basic equivalent of you having a home studio recording stuff and then sending it off and the people's actual setups that they have the microphones and so on are phenomenal so the sound quality is amazing it's just that there's no, and it's something that's going to affect society you know, over, the next, over the next few months, there's no actual contact with people in yeah. person. And you can speak and you can FaceTime as much as you want. But music is about being an orchestra, playing together. And I've given orchestra literally, whether it's orchestra three people or orchestra 100 people. And I think one of the things, and this isn't just a, a secretary on to Tales from the Loop, but one of the things we realized with that was just the immense sensibility you get from being in a room with musicians. Yes. And we'd started off, some of the play, some of the playing we'd had at Nashville, to say, was the first couple of episodes. And that was kind of a nice 50-piece orchestra. And, yeah, and that was absolutely wonderful. But what we then realized, Nathaniel, the showrunner and I, we had the next sessions we had were at Capsule in Los Angeles. And we just had maybe kind of seven players. And those seven players, it was so intimate it's like going to a gig you know it's one thing going to a gig at Wembley Arena with well, whatever you know 20,000 people or if you go to the Dome or whatever the O2 but when you actually then have a small gig in a pub this is the this is the equivalent of this you're sat there with seven players and every single player makes a difference to that yes. score yes. and you say to the violinist can you not play as full can you try a harmonic can you try this you've got a harpist you've got a flautist whatever that dude, those six seven people made such a difference because they became it's like your secret weapon it's like okay it's missing a bit of emotion i don't need 50 cellos playing what i need is one cello playing beautifully over this um and yeah it, and it, it was just fantastic and suddenly this music became such an integral part of the show um that, you know, that i think there's an episode episode seven or episode eight there's 20 there's a 20 minute scene with no dialogue at all and it's just music and 
I, I can't say what's going on other than that there's a robot. Picture the robot in 20 minutes. So it was so actually that 20 minute sequence for for a composer was the ultimate montage sequence then because it's all about you. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Really? I mean, I realised there was some action on screen, but it's basically all about you. Well, yeah, and Philip and I just discussed this, and yeah, we were kind of like, well, okay, forget this thing. Twenty minutes. This is absolutely beautiful. And the thing (laughs) is with this soundtrack that yeah, I think a lot of people go, oh my god, twenty minutes, just music. Oh, but the thing with the soundtrack, when I spoke to Mark at the beginning, the director, and Nathaniel, the showrunner, we spoke about it from a point of view of what do we want this soundtrack to achieve, and it was like, well, we want it to be like nothing else. We want it to be a soundtrack which works as a standalone. In the sense that, you know how you get a lot of kind of soundtracks which work really well with the, the visuals, that's obviously the point of the soundtrack, but then you listen to it by itself and it's like, okay, well, it doesn't really do anything. Yeah, frequently. frequently. Yeah, and, and it's not dissing the soundtrack at all because it works, you know, a lot of them will work beautifully as a soundtrack, but it used to be a case of, well, the, the melodies were so strong. If you look at some of Williams's early stuff, you look at Morricone's early stuff, and I just kind of go, well, this is amazing. And they've both said, they're probably just being nice, but they've both said, yeah, it's now, whatever, five, five months since shoot finished and since production finished. And they both said they listen to the soundtrack every single day, not because it reminds them of, of Tales from the Loop, but just because it's beautiful music as a standalone, which as an artist is almost the ultimate compliment, isn't it? You've done something which works beautifully hand in hand with the pictures, but then also switch the pictures off and it's got a life of its own because the melodies are so strong and the sound is so strong. And the thing about this show is it's a really optimistic show. It's yes. so tender, it's so emotional, but it's a really optimistic show, which sounds very bizarre for a sci-fi uh, series. I was so I was surprised when I watched the trailer, actually, that that and, and then listened to uh, the preview tracks uh, that I was sent, uh-huh. that, uh, and, I, and this is the theme for... for the current series of podcasts that actually 
there is some music that is so perfectly well timed, even if it's just serendipitous, to to sort of fill in the gaps created by a situation that we all are faced by. Um, and even before I'd seen the drama and only seen the trailer, I kind of thought, "Wow, I I didn't realise that I needed to hear that right now." Uh, and it seemed quite. It seemed, obviously it was not planned that way, but but I wonder whether you can. Um, oh, this is a rotten thing to ask you, but I started. Uh, maybe you can describe what it is that it achieves. Well, I think that when we first started discussing Tales from the Loop, it was it's very hard to describe because I've, they sent uh, me and Philip a load of uh, images. And so you're looking at an image of a robot. Uh, and you're looking at, and it's not just robots, but you know, it was one of the things in a picture of the loop. But you actually have no bloody idea what it's about until you start watching it. And then, and then Mark turns around and goes, the robot's not scary. <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a robot. And I'd, 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 I'd be kind of writing some dark stuff. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's just there. It just happens to be in a field. And you're like, oh, okay, right. So you start doing stuff. And after a while, this whole show, it's about life. It's about eight, eight individual stories that happen in this town. And it's just, it's, it's uplifting. It's about hope. It's about emotional context. It's about humanity. And it, it sounds so arty is the wrong phrase, but this stuff is about how important everybody has a connection to each other in this town and in the loop. And you kind of realize everybody has a connection in the world as well. And the music that <laughs> they do now. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, ge- genuinely, and it comes full circle to what I was saying about, you know, I, I, I miss being in a studio with musicians when I'm recording stuff. Yeah, everyone has a connectivity to each other. And I think the point of the music with this series was it wasn't intentionally, oh, let's do an uplifting soundtrack, because it's definitely not, it's not all happy, 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 but there is an underlying emotional feel, and it's an underlying optimistic feel, I'd say. And it's it's just strange, because as you say, whatever the reasons are of, of its timeliness, and Simon, the wonderful artist who had done the images to begin with, um, that the series is based on. And I think he he had a lovely bit, a lovely line in. I think they, I think it was actually in the uh, the three minute tease that they did for it, where he's just going, "You realise in this town that the adults don't have a clue." <laughs> it's like, oh wow. my god! <laughs> well, this is this is just a bit too close to the bone. <laughs> yeah, and of course that, that yeah that was all filmed before you know, all of this happened recently. But uh, but the thing about the, the thing about that you're saying, kind of what what did you want to achieve by it? I remember I did a film with Errol Morris, fantastic documentary maker and um, Oscar winner. And it, it, it was a film called The B-Side. And it was just, it was a 90-minute documentary on a friend of his who was a photographer. And the music was just really uplifting. She was a really quirky character and a really funny character. And we just took a, a quartet and a double bass and a mellotron and some, some random instruments. But as a standalone album, it was the most lovely thing to do because people listen to it afterwards and go, God, this is just beautiful, happy music. And you suddenly realise <laughs> the world needs more happy, yes, up- yes, uplifting music. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. it's a, but it's a hard thing to do because if you try and signpost people in soundtracks, which means you know, you're trying to make them feel happy or you're trying to make them feel sad, I think it just sounds a bit cheesy and a bit twee. Whereas if you just write some music which has this, I, I would people come back to that phrase of an underlying optimism there's just a sense that by the time you've finished listening to it you don't know why but it's made you feel better about the world 
Yes, which and is I think that's what hopefully we've achieved with the loop. Is like, do you know what? Life is sad, but life is also happy. And if, if, if when one bands together, like the people in the loop do, there's this wonderful human element, which is if it, that sense of can do. I am worried about time. I've got two. Well, basically, one question to ask you, yeah. uh, which is just. Just give me a sense of how how close to broadcast or how close to to streaming are you finishing production? Because you talked about the BBC One series, The Nest, to begin with, and yeah. said that that it's already broadcasting. But you you finished episode five last week. Did I hear that correctly? Oh God, no! I'm writing episode five at the moment. Oh, oh, I see. So you so actually, and how many episodes are there? Five. <laughs> right. Uh, is that is that normal? I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Okay, so, so for example, I do a series called Dynasty. There's a series called Limitless. And I think Limitless was the... Limitless, so these are weekly kind of shows that go out. Um, 22 episodes or, well, because of the coronavirus, 20 episodes this season. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the end. Uh, so we... That goes out weekly and you can... It, it's a kind of... I go in on Thursday, or I would go in on Thursday, it's now Skype um, and Zooms, but you go in on Thursday morning, you have a spotting session, which is where you go through it with the director, right. and, you kind of, and the editors and the sound guys, and go, right, we want music in here and there, and so on, and then I go away and start composing it, and then I'll probably have the first pass of it done by maybe Monday night, Tuesday morning, and then they watch it and give me notes back. And that's on then maybe like maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And then I do some notes, kind of send it back to them. Then once they've approved it on the Wednesday night, the Thursday morning, we then mix it. And then they're on the soundstage on Friday morning dubbing it. And then they finish it on the Monday, the second day of the mix. And then it goes out on air on the Friday that week. Oh. And then meanwhile, <laughs> I'm, you know, I start the next episode on the Thursday. Oh. So that. So, oh, that makes me feel quite a, sick. That really does make me uh, feel quite sick. Ah, well, it's not so much that, but I remember with Limitless, uh, there was an episode where literally it was going out on air in New York at, I think it's 7 p.m. I, I want to say 7, it might have been 8. But, and we literally finished it in L.A. on the soundstage at 1.30 in the afternoon. <gasps> so there was so there's five and a half hours between us finishing. And of course, it's still got to get uploaded. It's <laughs> sent up and over there. And of course, that was then. And if you think about now, if it, with the entire world on their internet, you're kind of going, if anything goes wrong with this system, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's, yes, there's all... going to be a lot of blank space up there. So, yes. I mean, yeah, so with the nest, as I say, you know, so that, that was first episode went out on Sunday night. And the way that we're all working at the moment is we've got execs in Glasgow and we've got execs in London, and the sound guys are mixing it in Glasgow. And I've been doing some recordings in Glasgow, obviously, and also back here. So it's literally everything is remotely at the moment, and you're just going, please, dear God, make broadband just hold out for a little bit longer. <laughs> it's also quite exciting. I mean, I'm trying to make out that it makes me feel physically sick, but it's also quite exciting to hear. Um, uh, you, 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 you say exciting. Like I'm on a, I've got a couple of films on at the moment. I've got a synthesis that's supposed to be written by August. And I'm going like, well, I mean, it's good in one sense, because I'm just going to be left to my own devices rather than people coming up to the studio. So I've just kind of got to get on with it. The other side of me is thinking the practicalities of this. It's just absolutely bonkers. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you'd like to say that I haven't asked you? <laughs> Someone speak to me. Anybody. <laughs> right, OK. You're in no, need of... I don't, no, I don't, I, I don't think that other than watch Tales from the Loop, watch the net, watch this, watch that. I mean, genuinely, I think the thing about Tales from the Loop is 
it is such a unique experience, and I, I cannot stress it enough. It's, I've never worked on a show where music had such importance and was so integral to it. And a showrunner and a director that just, I mean, literally, we lived and breathed this thing for maybe seven, eight months. And normally you're brought on for a pilot to go and do, you maybe get two weeks to score the entire episode. This, we were working hand in hand before they'd even shot it. So we had three months on this pilot, which is like nothing I've ever experienced. So it really was, it was a true artistic collaboration. And you know, getting to work with Philip Glass, getting to work with Mark, getting to work with Nathaniel, all of these elements. I mean, it just, this isn't TV. <laughs> this, this isn't done on TV. And the fact that it is, you know, hats off to Amazon for doing this. You've got Jodie Foster directing. You've got Andrew Stanton directing. You've got Mark directing. You've just got this phenomenal bunch of people, you know, from actors to post-production. And I don't know. I've, just, I've never seen anything like this on TV, uh, which is, for me, this is a good thing. <laughs> um, but I, but, but ho- hopefully when people watch it, and particularly at the moment because they've got nothing else to watch, um, but, but when they watch it, you know, it's, it's pure escapism. It really is escapism, and it makes you feel good about the world. And yeah, there are elements which makes you feel sad about the world as well, but it makes you feel good about the world. And if ever you needed escape at the moment from coronavirus, <laughs> from what the rest of the shit that's going on in the world, switch off for a couple of hours, watch it. And when you skip, the news will be exactly the same when you switch your phone back on afterwards. But um, yeah, it, you, you will feel good after watching this. Thank you very much. Um, you're you're uh, welcome. That's the perfect out. And look, you've got ten minutes to go before your next thing. Uh, so thank you very much for your time and your patience, John. You are more than welcome. If you've got any questions, drop, drop me a line. All right. Uh, okay. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. And listen, seriously, be safe. Bye. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Emergency Classical Music Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting its production for as little as $2 a month via Patreon. Just visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good. Your support is very much appreciated. It will help pay the bills.